God's precious grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto us from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Because you didn't have the printed text uh, from 2 Peter, I will read just a couple excerpts uh, at this time. From 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from those whom you have learned it. And the last verse, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, to discharge all the duties of your ministry. These and the words surrounding those two verses are our text. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, is your head screwed on tight? <laughs> kind of a crude way of saying, are you aware of what's happening in the world around you? St. Paul wanted Timothy, his good friend and early disciple, to be aware of what was taking place in his world, to recognize the dangers that he was facing on every side. As we listen to the, Paul's words, I think it would be easy to believe that Paul was speaking to us as well. The world in which Paul lived and Timothy lived was not much different than ours. Listen to these words from Paul. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Pretty awful list. I believe if Paul were alive today, though, he would say, that's what's going on around you. Are you aware of it? Is your head tightly affixed where it should be? He begins his text with us, but as for you, and ends, but you keep your head on. Paul's warning is very personal. Timothy was a good friend, a follower of Jesus, someone he had tutored along the way, and he had left him in charge of the whole church at Ephesus and gone on to new mission fields. And so he was very concerned about Timothy, not unlike God's concern for you and for me today. How great is the love of Jesus for each and every one of us? How great is God's love? Paul was writing to first and in, in those two letters of first and second Timothy, not to the church at whole, but rather a very personal message then. And God is writing a personal message and warning to you and to me today as well. You see, Paul knew that the gospel was having a large impact in the world, not unlike it's having in some parts of our world today. We hear marvelous things that are going on, in, particularly in the continent of Africa and the church and how large it is. And Paul wanted, or 
Timothy to remember that because the gospel was having power, that Satan would step up his attacks. He would do more to take away the impact of the gospel. After all, it is the power of God unto salvation. And Satan doesn't want anyone to be saved. Are there times in your life that you feel attacked by Satan? It can happen, you know. We're attacked and warned without warning. Sometimes Satan is kind of sly and coy, and we don't really know what he's doing. And other times he's just outward mean and nasty. But even then, we oftentimes don't recognize what Satan is doing in our lives. So Paul gave Timothy some specific instructions as to how to resist Satan. And he's giving those instructions to you and to me today as well. He said, have you learned anything about Jesus' love for you? If so, continue to grow in that love. Do you believe that Jesus is your personal Savior? If so, then continue in that faith that you have, placed in your heart by God's Holy Spirit at the time of your baptism. Have you learned the importance of God's Word in your life? Then keep reading it. Keep learning more from it. Are you aware of how precious Holy Communion is? Then come often to the Lord's table and receive the very body and blood given and shed for you and receive the blessings that it offers. Paul's defense formula is not something we haven't heard before. Pretty simple, really. But you see what the problem is? Satan knows those same things. And so he puts roadblocks in front of us. He tries to convince us that a different pathway would be better. It would be better to take the million dollars in your hand rather than the promise of something that could be way in the future that we're not so sure of. There's an old expression, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Eh? A million dollars in your hand today is worth a lot more than a promise of something down the road, huh? Well, at least one little boy thought so. And I'm sure that if it were real, some of us might struggle with that question as well. You know that a train going down the track has no problems at all. Tracks are there, and it slides right along. But what happens when a train becomes derailed? It can't bring itself back on the tracks again, can it? And that's the same thing that happens to your faith and my faith. We're going down a track so easily. The Lord's made it so simple for us. Trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Just keep sailing down that track. But what happens when it gets derailed? What happens when we slip away from the Lord for a time? Or maybe some tragedy takes place in our lives and we just turn our backs on Jesus for a bit. It's so difficult to get ourselves back on track with the Lord again. It's a great challenge and one that we could not and would not be able to accomplish by ourselves. 
But you see, Jesus wants you on that track towards your eternal salvation. He wants you there, and so he picks us up and encourages us and helps us back onto the trackway of faith and to our eternal salvation, which he's prepared for us. Oli and Olga lived in Minnesota. Olga, she was starved for affection, you see. And Oli, he was a hard-working farmer. And he didn't think much about words. He used to work. Olga, she was starved for affection, and finally she just burst out and says, Oli, Oli, why you never tell me you love me? Oli looked at her stoically. Olga, didn't I tell you I love you when we got married? Yeah, Olga says. Well, if I change my mind, I let you know. Sometimes I think we fall into the trap of acting like Oli in our relationship to God. We said how much we loved him the day of our confirmation and how we would follow him our entire life and remain faithful. Not even death would be able to separate us from our Savior Jesus. But then the world gets in the way. For the young people, it may be school or sports or band or something, friends. And for us more mature people, there's all kinds of things to choose from, things that can take us away from the Lord for a period of time. It is so easy to slip off that railroad track, and we forget to tell Jesus we love him. We forget to say anything. We forget to to speak to the Lord daily in prayer. We forget that worship is here every Sunday, not just when we get around to it. We forget that communion brings us into that tight relationship of consuming the very body and blood of Christ shed upon the cross for our sins. We forget. And our relationship with our Lord begins to tilt off the tracks of righteousness. Remember Paul's words to the church at Philippi. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By ourselves, we can't stay on that trackway going towards our eternal salvation. But with Christ at our side, we can and we will defeat Satan. That's why we need God's grace in our lives every day. Not just here on Sunday, but every day. Talk to him. He's right there. He's available for us, as they say, 24-7. And he wants to hear from you. Have you got that habit of laying down at night and saying some prayers to the Lord? Good. That's great. Keep it up. Have you got the habit of waking up in the morning and thanking the Lord for a new day? It doesn't have to be a big prayer. Just thank you, Lord, I'm alive. I'm here. 
and you are here. Good. Keep it up. I did some figuring this week. I don't know about the accuracy of this, but you get the point. I added up all the names in the directory, and I came up with a number of about 134. Now, I don't know if all those people are still members of the church here or not, but that's how many are on your books. The weekly attendance since I've been coming here this summer has been somewhere between 40 and 45. I don't know exactly how many are here today, but it looks about like that. I visit 10 people who are no longer able to come here because of health reasons. So that means that they're about 30% of the congregation, maybe some days 35% of the congregation here on any given Sunday. Which means there's somewhere around 60, 65% of the congregation not here. Hmm. Said another way, where are they? I pray they are somewhere connected to the Lord. If not here, hopefully somewhere else. Why do those numbers matter? Well, numbers don't really matter anything. But as Paul states, God wants you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And he wants to defend you against Satan's attacks. And he wants to keep you going down that same railroad track. And he can't do it if you're not here. Another thing Paul said, charged Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. As a congregation, you are involved right now in one of the most wonderful opportunities or tasks that a congregation can do. You're in the midst of calling a new pastor. I'll be gone in a couple weeks. And you're going to have a new per person here in the pulpit who will be ministering to you and preaching God's word. But you know what? Each and every person is God's preacher in your world. To your spouse, to your children, to your neighbors, to your fellow employees. You're either preaching God's love or you're not. And so as we share Christ or just share the love that he's placed in our heart, we are all his preachers. There's an imaginary story about Satan gathering all of his minions together one day. And he said, I want a foolproof plan that will attack and keep those Christians away from Jesus. Well, the first Satan underling said, I have a plan. We'll tell them Jesus really didn't get born. And he really didn't die, and he really didn't rise again. It's not true. Satan said, that's no good plan. The Christians won't believe you, and we don't care about the other ones. Well, another one raised his hand. He said, I have an idea. Let's tell them uh, 
it's okay if you listen to part of what God has to say, but don't listen to all of it. Only take those parts that you like. Like, Jesus loves me. Don't listen to any law. Well, Satan said, that's not bad, but I think there'd still be a significant number of Christians who would know that wasn't a good idea. A third fellow, kind of thoughtful fellow, raised his hand. He said, I have a plan. Let's tell him that Jesus is real. Jesus did come to this earth. He died for you and he rose again and all that you find in Scripture is true. But there's no hurry. Take your time. Do what you want. There's time enough later to follow Jesus. There's a plan I can live with, said Satan. That's a good plan. And it's been Satan's plan ever since. And he hasn't changed it with any of us. There's plenty of time to get close to Jesus. Today Paul concludes his words with this. For the time will come when men will, put, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. But you... You keep your head on tight. Is your head screwed on tightly? I pray it is. Be aware that this world throws everything it can at you as a believer in Christ. But standing at your side is Jesus Christ, who fends off all of those attacks of Satan with the armor of God. He can defeat him. In fact, he has defeated him. Stand there with Jesus. Stand there empowered by his holy gospel, empowered by his holy sacraments as we come today to receive them again. May God's Holy Spirit keep you in that one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. We join together in the words of the Nicene Creed as we express our faith in this Savior, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please rise and join me in those words. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance, Father, by whom all things were made, for us men and for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit, Virgin Mary, and was made man, Crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven.
Yeah. 